Hey listeners, it's Keith from Evertrue. Evertrue is the end-to-end solution for insight, outreach, and analytics for higher ed advancement and stewardship teams around the world. Recently, we launched Evertrue Studios, Advancement's very first media hub, where subscribers have access to over 100 hours of free, on-demand original series and podcasts, all created with fundraisers in mind. Check us out at evertrue.com backslash studios. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Erin Moran. And I'm David Lively. And you are listening to Talking Shop. And today we're going to talk about comprehensive campaigns versus uh, more targeted campaigns. We're going to talk a little bit about, is it necessarily always true that a comprehensive campaign is the best thing for an institution? What do you think, Dave? I think the, the answer is it depends. Um, if you had asked me this a few years ago, I would have said absolutely. Um, I think, mm-hmm. but now I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And here's I'll, here's like my thinking on this is kind of split. But so comprehensive campaigns are usually you know derived from some strategic planning process the university will go to go through, and then they sort of turn that plan into some marketing effort that becomes the case statement or whatever the case for the campaign, right? Mm-hmm. Comprehensive campaigns, by definition, or since they're comprehensive, everything counts. And so every donor can see herself or himself, you know, in the campaign and find initiatives that are compelling to them. Mm-hmm. But there are also sometimes I think they may cause an institution or at least a development team to focus more on the big number of reaching the big number goal than actually having immediate impact on things that are most critical for the institution at that time. Right. So I, I'm, I struggle a little bit with what is the right answer here? Because, you know, big comprehensive campaigns, um, sometimes we get lots of gifts for things that are like on the fringe. And that's fine. That, that happens, by the way, when you're not in campaign too. Right. But there may be a greater push to try to do these things during a campaign um, simply because every dean or vice president is trying to hit their number in some right. way, and they'll accept gifts for that that might end up costing them the university, the university money or the dean or herself or himself money. It's what we would call a gift that eats. Right. And I think um, you know if you're thinking about a smaller targeted campaign, you might be able to do things where you know a gift to financial aid, which is budget relieving might even be greater than like a dollar is worth more than a dollar because it's it's actually, you know, it's a wonderful gift, but it's also increasing the flexibility for the institution to spend money elsewhere. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. You and I have both been campaign directors. Um, we've both seen this really close up. I um, very much like you have, have the opinion that it depends. Um, yeah. and, and for the same reason, and, you know, you talk about gifts that eat, I mean, you, the truth is that there is, um, for every campaign director, there's probably somebody who could tell a story about a campaign gift that came in that was, you know, unexpected and completely diverged from the campaign plan. Now, some of those gifts are are wonderful and, and very much help the institution. But if it's not in the plan, um, sometimes that's because it's not in the strategic direction where where the president and the board are taking the university. And so um, the you know, you want to make sure that everything is in alignment with, you know, the the president, the provost, the board um, and where they're 
bringing things. And um, I've seen examples or heard of examples where that's definitely not the case. Um, but even beyond that, you know, just speaking generally about gifts that eat, um, I think in a way, you're talking about gifts that are not budget relieving. Um, but in a way, every gift eats from something else, right? So um, the other thing that I see that I worry about is people um, trying to kind of uh, shoehorn. And, and the, by the way, now I'm making the, the argument for comprehensive campaigns, just to be clear, um, trying to shoehorn donors into a more narrow um, giving agenda that may not be their cup of tea. And that's going to be a gift that eats, quote unquote, from their uh, perhaps ultimate gift towards something else yeah. um, as a donor. So it's 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 very complicated. Um, but I do think as touchy a subject as this is, I think it's really one that is worth having as, as a profession. Partly because I think we have gotten in my opinion, and this is soapbox time for me, but I think we have gotten so um, focused on monetary goals that sometimes we do lose sight as advancement staff of the importance of making sure that um, what we are doing is in lockstep with the, um, the, the plan that the faculty um, and the leadership have for the direction of the institution. And if we don't constantly keep that at the top of our mind, we we run the risk of getting lost and just adding things for the sake of adding them. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I have, I have a few thoughts. I have a few thoughts about that. So, um, first, so I think when when you're when you're driving towards one big number. Mm -hmm. um, and the, when, when you achieve that big number, we can all celebrate, you know, a billion or we had a, we just finished a campaign that was $6 billion. Right. Um, and then all of a sudden your, your, your budget is tight and people are like, we just raised $6 billion. Yeah. Where's all that money? Yeah. And the irony is oftentimes you're accepting gifts that increase the size of the budget because um, you're going to have new, new expenditures because there's new programs you created. Yeah. Right? And yeah. you might accept a gift. Let's say you accept a $10 million gift for a new center. And, but, but within a couple of years, the cost of that center are somewhere in the range of three or $4 million. That $10 million endowed gift is not nearly covering the cost of that center. So someone's paying for that. Mm -hmm. so the, the tricky thing is, you know, you raise a lot of money, but, um, and you're, you're, you know, and that isn't necessarily the fault of being in a comprehensive versus a small campaign, but I think it's more common in the large comprehensive campaign to really focus on, you know, these big gifts that are, you know, going to, that are going to be naming gifts and endowed gifts. And, and those are great, but they often don't really cover the cost of the program and they may increase the cost of the budget. You may be building new buildings, but did you build in the cost to, to actually manage the new building? So right. we do a lot of things that are, that improve the campus. And it's not a bad thing, but there are risks associated with it. And have we really factored in, you know, what these gifts will do? And, you know, fundraising is only one revenue source. And oftentimes people look at the campaign as an ATM and they don't really understand that, that the, the fundraising is only one source of revenue. It's not the only source of revenue. And, and we need to be very thoughtful about how we approach it. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, if, if you imagine um, trying to operate a store and say, you know, you have a shoe store and then you start taking gloves and bags and hats, and then you start taking, you know, clothes, and then you start just selling, you know, pinball machines and, you know, wetsuits and what it starts to get diffuse. And the problem with that is when you walk into that store, I mean, beyond the fact that it, it loses focus, when you walk into a store that sells literally everything that you never walk away saying, oh, this is quality. Like I'm going to get the very best of everything at this store. That's usually a place you walk into where you, you know, it's a, it's what they'd call a convenience store. Cause right. basically they have a few band-aids and they have a few antacids and a few magazines. Um, and so I think it's, it's important, especially right now with um, things being so challenging in higher ed. Um, it's, you know, it's a challenging time for the industry. Um, I think it's important for um, leadership to be given the space and sort of the, the, the ability to think really big about, okay, we can't focus on everything. What are the things that we're going to be great, known as being great for? And, um, and those are the things that I think, you know, and each institution is different, but those are the things that hopefully fundraising can really help take the institution from good to great or from great to even better than great. Yeah. And, um, and that, it, it, that's something that, you know, not every, unfortunately, not every donor is going to understand that. And I think a lot of it comes down to how you talk to donors and, you know, how to, how do you get in front of them early and make the case for why it's so important that the institution really focus on the areas that um, the academic leadership sort of want to be the driving force. I mean, I agree. And I think, so there's a couple of things. One, you know, just because you're not in campaign doesn't mean you're not raising big gifts or not raising gifts for kind of things that might be on the fringe of you know, what you're doing. But a campaign sort of focuses an office in, in an interesting way. I think campaigns themselves are helpful for the fundraising team as much as anybody because it helps our, helps articulate yeah. the goals. It helps create organizing principle for, for fundraising for the team um, and for the institution at some level. I mean, most people don't know you're in campaign except the people who are volunteers, the trustees, and the fundraisers who are asking for gifts. Most, right. donors, most donors don't know more or less, more or less care. care. Yeah. <laughs> but I think a, a, a targeted series of campaigns, like having two or three targeted campaigns, maybe after a large campaign, is a, is a really smart way to do something. Because if you do a, a series of targeted campaigns, there will be donors who maybe they won't make their biggest gift to this mm -hmm. core initiative that the president or the board or the provost identifies, but they might be willing to make a significant gift because they, they recognize that for this university to become truly great or for this team, this program or this school to become truly great, we have to invest in this thing or these set of things specifically for the whole mm -hmm. university or the whole school to improve, right? Right. They might not be the thing that you would normally support, but because you've identified it as a priority, you might get more support for that thing than you would otherwise, because when it's a big comprehensive campaign, it's too diffuse, right? Exactly. And I think that's where these can be really helpful. And I think a few key things are really critical. Every school is going to have its key area that, you know, that's going to help differentiate it from its peers and its, you know, and its competitors in the, in the marketplace. Right. And so you're trying to think about like, you know, how does this, how does this 
A, support a specific program that's going to build excellence or retain excellence? Mm -hmm. How does this help the overall budget or the specific budget for this program, right? And there's a lot of different factors to take into place, um, to take into account. But I think that's the one that for me is most interesting. And I do worry that sometimes campaigns are getting so big mm -hmm. as to be um, maybe um, challenging or problematic from a PR perspective with some alumni, with some faculty, with some staff, maybe the community are like, oh, this yeah. big, huge, wealthy university raises billions of dollars, but they do nothing for the community. That's right. not true, of course. Right. That becomes the narrative, right? And then they're also like, you raised billions of dollars and yet you're still increasing tuition. Right. And so if part of the narrative that needs to happen is like, you know, that's where like a, a, a very narrow financial aid campaign and like, we're going to raise money for financial aid to expand the amount of money we provide in, uh, for students and to try to mitigate, you know, incre tuition increases as much as possible in the coming years. And, right. and if the, A, if that has to be true, um, but if it is true, that's a really targeted campaign that, that people can get behind and understand. Now, you can have that as part of a comprehensive campaign, certainly, but you may not raise as much money for that particular initiative as you would otherwise. Right. I will argue you probably won't raise as much money as you, you know, in a small series of small targeted campaigns as you would in a broad comprehensive campaign. Right. Um, and that's problematic in a number of ways. Um, but because a large campaign, you, you may be able to justify increasing your staff and resources um, to, to execute a large comprehensive campaign. And you may not be able to do that with a series of smaller campaigns. Um, right. And that's 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 a that's an argument against the small campaigns in some right. ways, despite but, being as much or more possibly work. Yeah, right. That's right. Yeah. So um, it's just it's a it's a tricky thing, and I think it may be you know the, the, I think the the it depends is really conditional on what's happening at your institution. Where are you in the continuum for you know starting, finishing, in between campaigns? What are some really core initiatives going on right now? What's happening in the marketplace? What's happening with the economy? Like maybe it's not a good idea to like go off and do this massive campaign right. uh, when you when you're about to hit you know start a major recession or you know decline in capital markets. So I think it's just trying you know it's important to understand context in these things. But I think just to to have a gut reaction to say oh comprehensive is always better. Right. I'm not sure I buy that. There are a few places uh, maybe one or two that I can think of. Um, where I've spoken to people that they refuse to do large comprehensive campaigns because the numbers are so big, they would look too greedy in their in their particular mm. region mm -hmm. if, they were, if, they, if it was clear that you know they were going to put a beginning date and an end date on it. You know, and campaigns are artificial in a way. Right. When I say artificial, they're real, but it's really a beginning date, an end date, accounting paradigm, and right. marketing, a marketing set of marketing materials. Right. But they work. <laughs> I'm going to tell you how they work. I'm going to give you a really clear example. So Northwestern, we arbitrarily chose to finish our campaign in the month of June, in spite of the fact that our fiscal year ends in August, right? Mm -hmm. And this is completely arbitrary to close it in June. So we started on September 2011, and we finished on in June 2021. Um, so we had two months in the fiscal year for that year that didn't happen, didn't count in the campaign, right? Right. So I looked to see like, A, do campaigns work, first of all? And I think they do, but how do we know that? Well, I looked at fundraising in the month of June and I said, well, how many gifts, major gifts did we raise in the month of June, the last year of the campaign, the last month of the campaign? We raised 122 major gifts in the month of June. Okay, for context, the average number of gifts raised in the month of June 
was typically much smaller, around um, 38 gifts per year, right? So mm-hmm. we dramatically increased. And the, the average amount of dollars raised in June is about $18 million. Most years, if you look at the last five or seven years, we raised $142 million in that one month. And because we know it wasn't one outlier because it was 122 gifts versus right. you know, 30, 35, 38. So there's a dramatic increase um, in, yeah. in our totals. And then I looked at what happened in July and August and our numbers didn't really fall off in July and August. There was an artificial bump for no reason other than the fact that the campaign ended. We had the same sort of um, bump in the month leading up to the kickoff for the campaign in March of 2014. Um, for the same reason that we had this artificial kickoff and we used some big, it helped us close some big gifts earlier than we would have. Um, so that's how I know campaigns work. And again, right. it's only those people who were directly involved who directly care about the timing for the campaign who want to get in before the beginning or the end for one reason or another. So they right. work, but let's not overstate the importance of them. Um, we're always, you know, like my, my, a lot of our fundraisers were newer and they'd never been in fundraising outside of a campaign. And um, they're like, what happens after the campaign? What are we raising money for? I'm like, all the things we were raising money for during the campaign, but without the slogan that we use for the last decade, right? Yeah, yeah. We we, we have great content. We have great programs to support, and we're still raising money for those. But it was a funny, it was a funny moment for me. I'm like, it wasn't obvious to people that was the case. And I think, right. Well, it makes you question, what is, how do, you know, how do we teach people about campaigns, both fundraisers and donors? And what is, what matters? I do think you're right. I, I I do think when you were talking about the artifice of it, you know, the the beginning end date and counting mechanism, that's that's basically it. And I think a lot of people, even people who are fundraising professionals, you know, if they haven't had a lot of opportunity to work on campaigns, don't really know um, that that it's pretty much that simple. I think um, the thing that really benefits uh, institutions during a, well, there's two things that I think, um, that are are extremely beneficial and I think worth, make it worth doing. One is the ability to kind of articulate priorities and sort of refine the case for those priorities. So really get sharp as a school for being able to answer the question, why should I give money to this right now? And so, um, that, the ability to be able to get everyone singing from the same songbook is is a, almost a miracle at a, a university, and that's you know nothing to sneeze at. And the other thing that's um, very very important and beneficial is the fact that I think any well done campaign is going to widen um, the pipeline. So you're going to end up, you're not going to necessarily going to uh, lower back down to the level of activity that you had pre-campaign. It's going to be, you know, your, your stasis is going to be at a a higher level, um, than it used to be. And so those are two things that make it very much worth doing. I just do worry about, um, how we, and this is, you know, as we've said a few times on this show, we don't offer all the answers here. We're just, you know, we're posing the questions, right? But the question I, the questions that I have are one, how do we do this in a way that's truly, um, responsible and responsive to the agenda that's being set at the top so that it's not so divergent that we end up sort of, uh, chasing windmills, so to speak in a campaign. 
Um, and the other question I have is, um, how do we make sure that we don't, as, as a, uh, an institution, um, just start chasing money for money's sake, because it's very seductive to just say, well, I want to, you know, have a bigger goal, bigger goal, bigger goal. I need to have a bigger goal than the school down the street. I need to have a bigger, we need to have a, a much bigger goal than the last one, you know, and, um, it, it does, it starts to feel a little bit like we're kind of accelerating and going downhill at the same, at the same time, we're, it's a little uncontrolled. Um, I just wonder kind of, you know, what, what, where does it end when it comes to the goal chasing? Yeah. I mean, it's a bit of an arms race in some ways. And it's also like, you know, because because the last president raised X amount, the next president needs to raise that times right. Um, right. And it puts pressure on, and that's not bad pressure, by the way, always, because no. you want to constantly improve and get better and get you know bigger and, and do all those things in some way, right? That's, right. that's what everybody wants to do. Um, but it, but you know, a bigger campaign for the sake of bigger versus bigger campaign for the sake of actually improving the institution. Right. right. And not and to my earlier point is like I have these interesting conversations with friends about not all gifts are made equal. You know, right. we talked about financial aid gifts being for, for some schools being really important for a variety of reasons, because they can be budget relieving, but they also can shore up things that they can. Um, whether you have, uh, you know, a really healthy financial aid package for your students, it's something that's really critical. Everybody can get behind that. Um, but it's some gifts are really, really valuable, you know, getting a really big gift. Um, in a couple of areas of science, for example, at Northwestern, they have allowed us to recruit extraordinary faculty who then have partnered with other faculty. And those gifts were catalytic in ways you could not have imagined before they occurred mm. because the collaborations that occurred between a new faculty member that we recruited in engineering with other people in, in medicine, biological sciences and other parts of the, is the institution really had it became a game changer. Yeah. And they attracted tons of federally sponsored research dollars, right? Right. So they were they were actually seed funding. They were big seed, you know, big seeds. There were lots of money we raised, you know, tens of tens of millions of dollars for certain faculty to recruit them, and they provide labs and support for them. But they they ended up generating hundreds of millions of dollars, and ultimately over a period of years, uh, from from federal dollars. And so some gifts were really powerful, um, you know. And the other thing is. Sometimes you, you're able to do something that is really important for this president or this dean that is going to be a, it's going to make a mark on the institution in a very material way more than another gift will. Right? Yeah. And I think that's the thing is so really understanding which gifts matter more than others and they are great. I don't I would never diminish what any philanthropist does, by the way. I just want to say that yeah. in terms of the impact on campus, some gifts may have a greater material impact than others. That's where creating a targeted campaign could be an interesting way to do that. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm not 100% sold that that's the way every institution should do it. I think there right. are a handful of places that probably that's how they should approach their work versus trying to do big comprehensive campaigns because they've already got the resources available in the staff to really achieve great things. Yeah. And I just have to say, in reference to the gifts that you were describing that attract all of this other uh, funding, which is so critical. It's also worth noting for people who kind of don't know as much about, you know, some of the things that higher ed 
fundraising achieves. Like we're also talking about gifts potentially curing cancer or, you know, like big, 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 important things. So there's like you say, nothing to sneeze at in terms of uh, what these gifts accomplish. Um, These are, you know, if we didn't have um, schools like Northwestern doing the kind of research that they're doing, you know, um, and, and certainly that's, that's to say um, many, many, many research one institutions are, are, solving some of the world's biggest problems, which is, which is yeah. just so important. Um, it's I, would just, argue, I would also argue as the child of a, a former music professor, I would also say, you know, sometimes a gift of the arts that enlightens an entire community by, you know, providing world-class symphonic music or world-class theater, you know, or world-class art can be just as impactful as the sciences. I'm just going to say that um, I'm sure and, I'm going to have hundreds of people telling me I'm a complete idiot, which I I'm, I already do. Um, but as I think a theater major, I'm going to say it might be more impactful. So yeah. that's where I'm going to push back on you. But I I agree. I could not agree more. Um, yeah. The arts are are they've been with us since the foundation of uh, the human species for a reason. Yeah. Um, but but I just have to say, um, you know, to t- to getting back to you know not. Um, denigrating or in any way disrespecting the the contributions of individual philanthropists. I totally agree with that. I just sometimes feel like, you know, if I'm raising money for an animal shelter and somebody wants to give a gift for, um, you know, children's uh, sports, those are both great causes, but does it make sense for me to take that gift and try to figure out a way to, you know, gerrymander uh, uh, something that matches both of those yeah. causes, or does it make more sense for me to give it to the children's sports organization down the street? You know, I mean, that's a great, that's a really great point. I mean, you know, sometimes I think sometimes we take gifts from donors because we think the next gift will be bigger and better and will actually be more mm-hmm. in line with what we're trying to achieve broadly, right? Right. That, that that can be a really risky, dangerous proposal, like proposition to actually assume yeah. that the next gift is going to be better. I tend to agree that the next gift is usually bigger if you are working with a philanthropist with really extraordinary capacity and you're getting a test gift here and a test gift there. Um, but they may end up really providing lots of funding for the things they started with, which you didn't really want in the first place. Yeah. And you have to be willing to say no or mm-hmm. at least say knowing to that thing, but maybe this thing works. And that's really hard. And I think fundraisers are scared to do that. Mm-hmm. I think philanthropists actually, not always, but often appreciate honesty when you say, we yeah. can't accept that because it's just not something that is core to what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. Um, and you know what else? I as, as a person who is a fundraiser, I'm your philanthropic advocate. Let me help you identify the organization that's going to accomplish what you want to accomplish with that money. And, and let me hope that you remember me when you want to give to this organization, you know? know? I, yeah. Donors are not one dimensional people and I, and they, they have a variety of interests. I always say we just want to be in their top three charities. Um, I'd like to be number one. I don't want to be number seven though. So, you know, you're absolutely right. They (laughs) want them to support. I love seeing donors support other organizations because I know that illustrates that they're, they're continued philanthropy. I know they're still giving. And I yeah. expect if I do my job well, then I'm going to, you know, and, and we do our job well in articulating the case, we'll be next. Exactly. All right. Well, have we solved this problem? No, I mean, <laughs> I suspect I'll be in another comprehensive campaign sooner sooner than later, but yeah, uh, that's they're, probably, okay. they're probably here to stay for most places, maybe not all places, but I think yeah. 
I think it's important to have these discussions, and I think it's important for an office to understand how to think about um, a like creating budgets when you're thinking about a proposal, so that you don't accept, take lots of gifts that eat and cause problems financially for the institution. I think it's important that you think about why are you doing a campaign? What is the goal of the campaign? It's not the number, it's the impact of the dollars, and it's right. how you organize your materials to be able to make a compelling case. So I, I just think that's important. But yeah, we haven't really solved it. We haven't really solved no. it. No. And, and, and by the way, in case you're thinking this as you listen to this, it's very easy for me to say all this stuff now that I'm not a campaign director. So <laughs> don't... Uh, don't take what I say without a grain of salt, because I know that it's it's a lot easier to be in my position than it is to be in your shoes at the moment where you're having these conversations. And I don't I, I don't discount that. And I really do respect and appreciate development officers for all the wonderful ways they na navigate these things. <laughs> so absolutely. It's a, anyway. it's, a hard, it's a hard job, but somebody's got to do it. Right? It is. It is. And thank thank God there are so many people doing it. So. All right. Well, you you take care, Dave. Thank you so much. Um, thank thanks to all of you for um, listening. And um, please do uh, let us know what you think. Um, reach out to us on LinkedIn. Email us on talkingshop at, at evertrue.com, or um, you know just uh, send a smoke signal. Send a pigeon. I don't I don't really care. <laughs> please do if you have a pigeon, send a pigeon because I think that's really cool that they I can do that. Carry, carrier pigeon only. Though. <laughs> Uh, yeah, not just, please yeah. don't, yeah, ship it in the mail. Please send the carrier pigeon with the little, yeah. Um, but anyway, no, in all seriousness, we would love to hear from you. So um, let us know what you think. And if you have any ideas of what you'd like to hear us talk about, please let us know. Thank you very much. Thanks. <laughs>